0: Welcome to Crucial Foundations, a program that seeks the foundational truth in scripture for every generation. I'm Larry, a Bible teacher in Charlottesville, Virginia.
1: And I'm Gable, I'm a Bible teacher in the Birmingham, Alabama area. Let us open our Bibles today and seek those timely truths found in God's word.
0: Welcome back to Crucial Foundations we come to understand foundations our God has given us. Particularly, we want to look at throughout this series, the character of God. We cannot emphasize enough that serving God is a matter not just of outward rules, but is primarily coming to know his character and let us to be molded into the image of God himself. Jesus said in John 17, three, this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent there is one aspect of the character of God that I want us to talk about this today and that is the idea of serving a jealous God and that actually there is a great blessing in serving a jealous God I recognize that word jealous sometimes refers to the works of the flesh and in no ways does God, it, it, give it, it, his character it would indicate the works of the flesh. That is an idea of a self-centered approach toward oneself in God. And it's sinful, it's bad, it'll destroy us. But the word jealous actually is a synonym to the word zealous. And as the idea when you talk about God being jealous, it's actually talking about his, his love for us, his powerful love for us, his zealous love for us. And so what we're going to be talking about is if we come to serve God, we need to understand his zealous love and that will change us. We'll make a great mistake if we approach God and not understand this aspect of his zealous love. He told us to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And if we do not come to him in that way, we're going to find ourselves in a bad place. God wants us to serve him. He has a powerful love. But we don't do it halfway. In Joshua 24, it's very interesting, and we'll come to this verse later in this study, where Joshua approached the people and said, you know, you can't serve God. And of course, they're going, of course we can. He says, well, let me tell you why you can't serve God. You can't serve God unless you give him all of your love. Don't even try it if you're not going to love him with all your heart, soul and mind. The passage I'm referring to is Joshua 24, verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Why? Well, verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. If you come to God, he's holy. We've studied that. We, you, we're going to study today that he's jealous, that he has a zealous love for us. He will not share us. And so in essence, what this is saying, we have to daily repent. We have to take him seriously where we give our hearts to him. And if you don't have that concept of God, don't even start. You will not survive that. You do not want to approach God as if he's your servant boy and do it haphazardly. And. Knowing God, though, is our strength. This shouldn't create fear in us. I know the word jealous makes us think, oh, God's going to be a temperamental, out of control God. No, 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 no. This is his zealous love. He's very consistent. He's merciful. He has grace. But he wants us to know him. And if we don't know God, we're not going to have very much strength. And it even begin, really. 1 John 2, 13 and 14 where we see the thankfulness that John expressed to the development of different kinds of Christians, mature Christians, different kinds of maturity within the church. In 1 John 2.13, it says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who was from the beginning. I've written to you, young man, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. The knowledge of God is our strength. And if we come to God, I want us to understand the blessings of serving a God who is jealous for us, who has a zealous love of God for us.
1: Gable. Yeah, we've talked about, we've talked a lot about up to this point in all of the episodes we've covered uh, the character of God. We've emphasized the character of God, so much of uh, the many aspects that uh, that God has. And as you've already mentioned, we're going to be talking about the jealousy of God. Uh, you've mentioned zealousness being a big part of that. Uh, and it's interesting. As you read, especially in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, uh, a lot of times jealous might be translated as zealous. Um, so there's a lot of different meanings that, that could be uh, used, the, the word used for jealous in both the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, one definition as commendably striving for some desire to show zeal. So it's that very uh, generalized use of zeal. Then one that's interesting to me here, of an attitude of misplaced zeal, but to be zealous for, to eagerly seek, to try to win over. Um, And I think those last two definitions, be zealous for, to eagerly eagerly seek, and try to win over, um, that's really really what God is towards us. Um, I think it's C.S. Lewis that put it this way, God never ravishes. He only woos. He's not going to bend our arm. He's not going to twist it, but he wants us desperately uh, to follow him and to have a relationship with him. Uh, If you go over to the book of Exodus, one of the first times that we see this used in Exodus uh, chapter 20, Exodus 20, In verse five here, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, and some translations render that as zealous, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me. And keep my commandments. So he's zealous for those that uh, truly, truly seek after him, that want this relationship with him. Um, And of course, on the flip side of that, we have someone else who is also zealous to win us over. And that, of course, is Satan, isn't it? but Satan can also direct our hearts as humankind to go after another type of jealousy, which you've already referred to, uh, Mr. Larry, uh, of works of the flesh, right, um, that can really destroy body and soul and mind. And this, this corrupts the heart, heart of man. It's not good for us. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5 in verse 20 uh, really backing up to verse 19 you've already referred really to this verse now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions and so that's what we're that's what we're talking about on the flip side we don't want that type of jealousy and that's not the type of jealousy that God shows uh, over in second Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 20, uh, it has a similar similar thought there as well. But coming back to really the, the main idea of what we're talking about here, God is jealous towards us in that he, he treasures us above all, all of his other creation, those that are in Christ. Um, we are a special treasure, a special possession to him. Uh, Again, going back to the book of Exodus in Exodus 19, beginning in verse 4 there. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of proof priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And of course, uh, the apostle Peter quotes directly from this in the book of first Peter in chapter two. And I invite you to go over there and read that for yourself as well. But he talks about us who are in Christ, those who are saints. We are also, uh, this special nation, this holy nation set apart to God. Um, And God is jealous. He is zealous for those that would treat him as such. Um, Now, of course, I'll I'll just try to cover this point quickly and then I'll throw it back to you, Mr. Larry. Um, God so oftentimes uses the analogy of marriage to describe the relationship that he has uh, with the nation of Israel, but also uh, Christians as well under the new covenant. But we go back to the book of Hosea in Hosea chapter 2, um, and there's a lot of hard things that are asked of a whole lot of prophets in the Old Testament. And I think I would I would much rather uh, have the job of Jeremiah, who preaches to ones who won't listen, or, or Isaiah as he's preaching to those stiff-necked people, rather than doing what was asked of Hosea here. Uh, Hosea was asked to marry a wife of harlotry to demonstrate how unfaithful Israel had been to God. But in, in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 18, he says there, I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. Verse 19, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. This is the type of relationship that we're called to have with God uh, when we're bound to Him in, in this type of marriage. Um, and, you know, we talk about so often, I've heard the analogy, we've used the analogy, uh, we ought to make God a priority. He should be at the top of the list, right? Um, but, Really, it's not even that sense. We have a list of all of the things in our lives, and then God is over here on his own list, uh, and he takes, he takes the cake in everything, uh, and so he ought to be, be special to us as he sees us as his own special people, uh, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you now, Mr. Leary.
0: Well, it's important as you consider how God loves us, how much he loves us he likens it to a marriage relationship if we get nothing else out of this podcast today is this god will not share us Mm -hmm. it's like i'll tell people if they're considering marriage well if you want to consider marriage you you're with your mate and no one else you you have that determination if you don't you don't enter that relationship but could i tell you what an awesome blessing that is god thinks that much of me matter of fact God, when he becomes jealous, the idea is it hurts him. I can hurt the God who created the universe. That blows my mind. I feel like I'm so insignificant, but he loves me that much. But now, again, if I enter that relationship and I treat that lightly, his wrath is going to be powerful. It's going to be it's hard for us to even imagine the terrors of entering into the, being before a jealous God when we have treated that relationship as if it's nothing. What would you do in your marriage if your wife came to you and said, hey, I'm gonna, Larry, I'm going to be with you um, just every day except two days out of a month, I'd like to be with somebody else. Would you accept uh-huh. that in your marriage? I, I wouldn't accept it. You see, this is why we've got to know what it means to serve a jealous God. Now, how does that apply to us today? You're, we've been using these Old Testament passages. Well, we have some New Testament passages too. And let's, let's look at a few verses if we could. Second Corinthians eleven two is one we want to look at. And Paul is trying to help the Corinthians to take the New Covenant seriously. We've already talked about the holiness of God and how we take those words and only those words delivered. There are people today make fun of that. Oh, we're legalist. We're this and that. The other, I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm serving a jealous God. I'm serving a God that new covenant defines the relationship. I have a marriage covenant that defines the relationship and that I'm glad to have that relationship and whatever those rules are, that's fine. But you see, your attitude toward God, if, if you understand he is going to keep his word perfectly, I am going to seek to do everything God says and take his words of one who loves me. Let me show you a lackadaisical attitude that the Corinthians were taking toward God's word. 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2, Paul says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that you may present that I may, may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Did you know the voices you hear determine whether or not you're going to be faithful to Jesus alone, or whether or not you're going to be an unfaithful spouse? Whoa, what do you mean, Larry? The voices that I hear. Look at verse three and four. For I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted. Now notice, here's somebody preaching another Jesus, a different spirit, another gospel. What's your reaction to it? Well, why well, here's what the Corinthians did. He says, You may well put up with it. Let that settle in. If we are zealous for God, if we respond with a zealous love to his zealous love, his words mean something and we don't let just anyone teach anything. Oh, and I see people, oh, no, no. Everybody ought to have the right to study the Bible themselves. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about actively teaching God's people and teaching God's people in things that are absolutely contrary to what has been revealed. And basically, Paul says, I have a godly jealousy for you. You start listening to other voices and they preach another Jesus. Guess what? You're not not following Jesus anymore. You now have gone to another. And you may call that other Jesus. Just as in the Old Testament, people, they served idols and they called the idol Jehovah. Well, that's still an idol. And so going back to the word of God, loving God being consistent with his word, taking it seriously. Basically, the lackluster, lackadaisical Christian who really doesn't care much about doctrine, they're in a dangerous place. Maybe with good leadership, they're kept into the word of God, but we have to develop a love for God where we're willing to discern truth and error. And there is the struggle that we each must go through. It's a beautiful thing. But we'll know when we get it, when we understand who God is, when we understand that. A couple of more verses, and then I, then Gable will throw this back to you. A couple of verses, Deuteronomy four twenty-three and twenty-four. Notice the covenant, the words. So maybe say, I love God, but I won't trade. I won't trade that love for a stack of Bibles this high. You don't love God. The Bible is reflection of the relationship, the covenant. And when I married Evette, we took a covenant together. And that covenant is not just rules. It defines the relationship. Deuteronomy 4:23 and 24. Take heed to yourselves lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. A jealous God and again that's good news God says I care about you I love you and you keep yourself to me and you understand when you reject me you've lost everything Psalm 78 very similar verse he talks about in the history of Israel Israel but as a whole most of the people never really got it and they never really responded with that zealous love and notice what happens when we do that we enter a relationship with God and we're not committed he says, he also drove out the nations before them, a lot of them an in inheritance by survey, and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. Yet they tested and provoked the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. When God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among them, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hands." Oh, we need God. We need to understand God will protect us and take care of us. But we can't just play church and play religion. It's got to be like the marriage relationship. When we enter into a relationship with God, he wants us all. And again, he provides for our weaknesses. He provides for the struggle as we do this. This is not perfection, but it is a commitment. And we've got to know this about about God, or it it would be better for us not to enter a relationship with God if we don't do this. Okay,
1: Yeah, so much of what uh, talk about there with uh, the marriage relationship, it it reminds me of um, an example that Brother Tom Holly uses. Um, and I'll apply it to myself. Uh, you know, if I told Abby, "Oh, I love you so much. I love you so much more than Susan," <laughs> and Abby might say, well, "Hold on a second, who's Susan?" <laughs> I say, "Oh, don't worry, Susan's only number three, but you're number one." Uh, and her next question might be, well, who's number two, <laughs> right? Like, why is there even this list there? There shouldn't be a list. And um, yeah, the marriage relationship is a, a great uh, example for, for us to understand. And we we do understand that. Um, and r- really, a lot of what you've talked about there, that's a good segue into our next point here. Uh, of course, we want to be jealous like God. So what makes God jealous Uh, God is intolerant, absolutely intolerant of rival gods, Uh, and there's a lot of different ways that we can make gods in our own lives. Uh, Again, I want to throw us back to the book of Exodus. Let's go over to Exodus 34 this time. Exodus 34 and verse 13. Uh, This is really reminiscent of some of the passages you've already read. Uh, Mr. Larry, but Exodus thirty-four, thirteen: you shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And that's that's kind of, that's a really interesting passage to me here because we've talked about that God is jealous. It literally says here his name is jealous like this is who he is. Um, and he wants us to, to serve him and him alone. Uh, Deuteronomy again, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 23, take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And that gets us a little more in, into the type of jealousy and the type of zealousness that God has for us this this consumes him. Um, he totally and completely wants us to serve him, uh, and really, that gets into the the sense of he's going to respond. God is going to respond to unfaithfulness in wrath, and God wants us to know that up front. He wants us to know, as you've already said, Mister Larry. He wants us to know his character. Um, And he doesn't he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't deceive us like the devil would. Um, And so, again, what can we learn from examples that we find in the Bible? Of course, God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. uh, So many times uh, this relation was strained because of what Israel did. Uh, Specifically in First Kings 14 and verse 22, this was the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him, that is God, to jealousy with their sins that they had committed more than all their fathers had done. So it's sin. It is sin that provokes God to jealousy. And that is so important for us to remember. Um, And I'll reference Joshua 24 here in just a minute. Again, you've already mentioned that, but this is why. God pleads with us, he begs us to, to give him our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul. Um, and he wants to bless us. He wants to, to bless us with those things from his throne. And so we can't take this lightly. Um, again, Moses warned the people that they they would not be able to stand before God without understanding his nature. Uh, and in the book of Joshua, in Joshua 24, uh, in verse 19, when Joshua is putting again that um, that proposition before the people of saying, "You're not able to serve the Lord," and they said, "No, we will gladly serve the Lord. We will do it." Uh, and of course, we know the rest of the history. They did not. They did not keep their end of the bargain. But God's love for us is so strong that he is jealous, he is zealous for our devotion and our love. Um, again, I'll, I'll go back to the marriage analogy just because it's so good, and of course the Lord uses it through his prophets so much. Um, but how would you feel if you had a spouse that you deeply love, you've provided for, you've put all of your time and all of your energy into this person that you love so much, how would you feel if you found out that they were now not faithful to you, and maybe they haven't been faithful to you for quite a quite a while? Uh, again, talking about Hosea, God told Hosea to marry a wife of harlotry, and this was again to demonstrate how deeply God uh, God had been hurt over Israel deciding to sell themselves out—literally sell themselves out to other nations, to other gods. And so Hosea dedicated his life to Gomer, and what was Gomer's reaction to that? She considered it as nothing. She continued in the life of harlotry that she was used to. She left him for other men. But then we have the beautiful image after that. God then tells Hosea to go back to Gomer after she's been sold into slavery. There's no one that can help her except for her husband, the one that truly loves her. And so he goes back, he literally buys back Gomer, redeems her from her captors to show that love. And that is the type of love that God has for us. But we have to be willing to come back to him. And that's so important. Uh, Mr. Leary, you got some more points here at the end.
0: Yeah, I, I want to go back. You, you made reference to uh, the idea of uh, Joshua 24 with, that I referred to mm-hmm. earlier, but I want to develop that a little further. It's quite, quite interesting yes. here where, you know, basically Joshua started off, you can't serve God. Now that's, I didn't read you the whole context earlier. It's very interesting where he tells them in verse 19 that Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you have forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Now, what Joshua's doing here, he's not saying it's one and done. He's not saying that God is so perfect that you might as well not try to start him. You serve him because he'll just squash you. No, no, no. He's trying to get the people to be serious. Now, notice the people responded as Joshua wanted, verse 21. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua says, okay you're committing yourself to this understand the commitment verse 22. so joshua said to the people we are witnesses against, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the lord for yourselves to serve him and they said we are witnesses now therefore he said put away the foreign gods who are among you and incline your heart to the lord god of israel And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. And so at least Joshua says, "Okay, I taught you the nature of the relationship. Now, are you going to take it seriously? Well, we see what followed there and uh, and people some did, many didn't. But that's the nature of relationship. But now I'm going to take another aspect here. Let me tell you about one of the worst things you could do, Christian or non-Christian. And that is to harm a child of God because God's zealousness is not just punishment for us. It's not punishment. It's the idea of of commitment and and blessing. But the one thing you don't want to do is harm a child of God because God is zealous for us. And if somebody harms us, I want to guarantee you God will take care of those people. And I would say this as Christians, we need to be very careful how we handle other Christians. We want to be good to everybody. But I'm telling you, God will avenge his people when his people are mistreated. It's quite interesting. Some of the Old Testament verses we could look at, deal with uh, even where God allowed his nation to be punished. There were nations that went further than he intended and that God basically says, okay, yeah, you, know, you treated my people in a way that was, you know, what I did not want you to do. And, and Not no, Ezekiel 36. Verse six, says, therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel to say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers of the valleys, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I've spoken in my jealousy and my fury because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I have raised my hand in oath and surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. Zechariah, in Zechariah one fourteen. So the angel came to me and said, Proclaim thus, says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem, and for Zion with great zeal. I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease, for I was a little angry, and they helped, but with evil intent." You do not want to face the jealous wrath of God. And one way the world will face it is how they treat Christians and the people of God. Even nations themselves that become persecuting powers and destroy the people of God underneath their rule, God will judge them. And we don't have to take on that cause. God will take care of it. Individually, we see similar statements. In Romans chapter 12, where we talk about how, you know, how why don't we hit back the people that hurt us? Why don't we pay evil for evil? Well, I tell you why, because we have a God that is jealous for us and he will avenge every wrong done against his people. And I don't have to take that vengeance myself because I know I have confidence in my relationship with God. God will take care of his people. God will take care of the enemies of his people. Are you hearing me? This is really important for me so that I not get burdened and try to take God's place. His love for me is so strong, his wrath is certain against those who harm other Christians. Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why I do not have to be overcome by evil is because I serve a jealous God. Vengeance is his, and he will execute it. I'm hoping to change the people that hurt me. And I'm hoping rather than face that vengeance because I've done good for evil, that they may change their hearts and find that forgiveness and not have to suffer the wrath of God. But remember, God will avenge his people. Gable?
1: Yeah, and God, God will not only avenge his people for those on the outside that are seeking to draw them away, but also the inside. Um, we see those um, who are e- even within the ranks of God's own people that seek to pull uh, those who are truly righteous away from him. One of... The most um, emphatic examples of this is, again, back in the Old Testament in Numbers 25, in verse 3. Again, when Israel was wrapped up in the, the sin of idolatry, as they so often were, Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. We have a rather graphic image here of Uh, Phinehas, who has a certain jealousy for God, and uh, God really fleshes this out more of just what kind of jealousy he had. Down in verse 11, or backing up in verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. So we have this great example here of Phinehas. He was zealous with my zeal among them, the Lord says. Now, interestingly enough, this is the only time, so far as I know, um, in the Old Testament, and I think in the New Testament as well, where we have this description of a certain individual having the same zealousness or jealousy as God. Literally the same zealousness. We also want to have that jealous, zealous attitude for God as he has for us. Um that is a great example for us to follow after. And he, he didn't just talk about it. He backed it up, didn't he? Uh, we think about, again, so many of the other prophets in the Old Testament. We think of Elijah. Um, Elijah, when he was going up against all of these prophets of Baal over in First Kings chapter 18, uh, Elijah came near, and this is 18 verse 21, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? That's how the English standard version reads. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Um, And then going up a chapter. And 19 in verse 10. So this is after this encounter on Mount Carmel. And Elijah is now on the run. And he's posing this to God, he said, "I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Um, now, if you're familiar with the story, you know that much of what Elijah is saying here is misplaced. It's not really true that He's the only one left, but he does recognize that he has been jealous for the Lord. Um, the the God of hosts. And so that at least is an example that we want to we want to follow after. Um, very quickly, bringing this to some New Testament passages over in Romans 16 in verse 17, talking about those on the inside who can influence other brothers and sisters. Romans 16 verse 17, "I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions. And create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, Paul says. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ. But what do they serve? They serve their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive or the simple. This passage is not specifically talking about the vengeance of God, God taking vengeance. But this is about keeping the Lord's body pure and protected and and purging out those who would seek to harm the group as a whole. Uh, talking about taking out the the leaven. First First Corinthians five talks about that. Um, and it's important as we're kind of wrapping up this episode, it's important for us to remember with all of this, this zealousness, this this jealousness, some of this can seem rather harsh, rather rash, and and maybe how we react to others. We still love any brother or sister, even though maybe that they've strayed from the path. We need to we need to still have that love for them and maintain that. But the point of marking them or withdrawing from them is so that they might return to the Lord and they might continue to have that jealousy and zealousness for God. Um, But as long as they are walking down a different path, that broad path that Jesus talks about, we cannot walk with them. Um, That is not within the jurisdiction of, of God's jealousy, and so we have to remember that. Yeah, but
0: wouldn't we say that really, basically, they're not taking God seriously. They're just playing. They're just being, being half-hearted, and That's God right. won't accept them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, did you have any other thoughts here at the end?
0: Well, there's so much more to go. We'll, we'll do, do that in later episodes, but let's remember this. It is a great blessing to have God's love. We respond with the same kind of love he's given to us. We grow in love. And there's the key point. We take it seriously.
1: Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast to be helpful or encouraging, please consider following and subscribing or leave a rating or a review. If you have questions about anything from the episode or any other Bible questions, you can reach out to us at ncvchurch at gmail.com. We hope that you'll join us next time as we lay another stone in the foundation of truth that God has given us. God bless you.